Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree, then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chapel, and this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Welcome back to the Build Your Network podcast. I'm really excited about this episode today. Stoked that you decided to tune into this one. If it's your first time listening, would love to hear from you. Just screenshot this episode really quick and upload it to your Instagram story. Tag me in it and tag our guest in it as well. And we can go over there and say what's up. Today, we are featuring Tim Story. He is an acclaimed author, speaker, and life coach, helping people create the future that they desire. He's inspired people from all walks of life, from entertainment legends to professional athletes, from executives to deprived children across the globe, using seasoned foundational principles and humor to get honest with people so they can overcome the obstacles that are holding them back is what Tim does best. He's traveled to 75 different countries, spoken to millions of different people, and he often meets with private to counsel high-profile leaders in various industries. Tim and I talk a lot about how to add value to others. We talk a lot about how what, what it's like being friends with and working with stars like Robert Downey Jr. and Oprah and Steve Harvey and people like that. We talk about how to turn your setbacks into comebacks. And we talk about how he was able to become a world-class speaker. There's so much value jam-packed in this episode for everybody. But before we get into that, as most of you know, my network has absolutely exploded in the last year and a half. And when people ask me how I've been able to do that, the number one answer that I give is my podcast. If I didn't start Build Your Network, there's zero chance I would know as many awesome people as I do now. There would be zero chance to be able to chat with people like Tim Story for any length of time. 
It is the perfect credibility vehicle and value adding excuse to connect with the people that you want to connect with the most. So I highly encourage you to start a show, but if you do it, do it the right way. Treat it like a business and it will pay you like a business. Hire a coach that's been there, done that, and can walk you through the process. That is something that I do. If any of this resonates with you at all, then head over to buildyournetwork.co slash coaching to apply. I only accept a few people at a time because I don't want anyone lost in the process. It's really intense and valuable, but it's also very time intensive for me as well. So I'll only actually be helping 10 people total before I shut it down. So there's only four or five spots left available, depending on when you are listening to this, that are open for coaching clients. So if any of this resonates with you, head over to buildyournetwork.co slash coaching to apply there and we'll schedule a call and chat really soon. And now here is my interview with Tim Story. Tim, welcome to the show, brother. Super stoked to finally get you on. How's everything going? Good. Thanks for dressing up for me. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Always my Sunday best. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who can't see me, I am in just a regular t-shirt. But are you the casual t-shirt guy? Tell me about it. I am the casual t-shirt guy. You know, before we hit record, I'm talking a little bit about my background. So I grew up super religious, like I told you. When I went to school, elementary all the way through college I had to wear like shirt and tie like a shirt and tie and a suit and stuff like that and I had to shave every day different things like that so I usually have a beard and I usually don't wear shirts and ties and suits if I don't uh, have to so <laughs> yeah I'm the casual teacher guy. I'll tell you a secret I am in pretty good shape I go to the gym all the time but I've decided to get even better shape so I can be the t-shirt guy more often <laughs> it's not good because you're in good shape it's not good to be the t-shirt guy and you shouldn't be the t-shirt guy. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's like, hey, you want to wear this instead? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, true. that's true. Well, Tim, I seriously, thank you so much for coming on. I know you're super busy, got a lot of stuff going on. So I do not take your time lightly. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump right into the bulk of this interview and get into some content here for everybody listening. You've done so many amazing things now in your career, Tim, but let's take it back before then and uh, give some context to this conversation. What was uh, childhood Tim like? Parents, lifestyle, interests, where did you live? All those kinds of things. Yeah. So born in Compton, California, a place called Linwood Hospital, which is right on the Compton-Linwood uh, border. Uh, good childhood because it was, it was hard, but there was a lot of humor in our house. So we had seven people in wow. a two-bedroom apartment, which is super cramped. <laughs> but one of the things that was cool is that my mother was um, very much a disciplinarian. And so I always say this, that we were lower income, but we were never lower class. Like you never saw dishes piling up. There was never like dog hair on the couch. Our house, even though it was like a little two-bedroom place, looked like the inside of the Ritz-Carlton. So... I knew how to wash the dishes. I can do laundry. And my sisters, later when we got a house, learned how to mow the lawn. So a lot of discipline, man. Just um, hardworking parents. Mother worked at Winchell's Donut Shop, a shift and a half just to make ends meet. My father worked on the low end at a place called Bethlehem Steel. Started there at 20, just trying to make his way up. But I was thinking big and small places. I always knew that I was going to be something kind of spectacular even in that setting. Yeah, that's exactly the point right there. That's what I wanted to ask you next is, what were you doing at the time? Like, I know that you went to seminary and things like that. Was that always the plan, even growing up? How did that desire come about and how did it actually come into fruition? I think you would agree with this, that in life, some things we decide 
and some things we discover. And I think that so many people get so freaked out on the decision, like, man, I don't know what to do, or I don't know what's next. And as a life coach, yes, let's make decisions. A decision is a choice or a selection. So every day we're making a lot of decisions. Um, Where I'm gonna go, how am I gonna get there, what am I gonna do when I get there? So life is all about choices, you would agree with that? Yes. So we got decision, but the thing that most people miss is the best part, that's the discovery. Is it the brilliant people that I meet in life and I get to meet the most brilliant minds in the world, 75 countries I've been to, people who like run the planet, most of them will tell me it was not in in the decision, it was in the discovery. And I discovered as a young person that I love the underdog. I, the kid that was chubby and we're running laps and he can't breathe, I wanna find out why he can't breathe. The person who's hurting, I wanna figure out what's wrong. Uh, Noticing the homeless, even as a kid. So my calling was calling me. See, your calling will call you. And my calling was the discovery of, I love helping people. So that's what I became, yes. So did you know exactly how that was going to flush itself out? Meaning like, did you know that you wanted to go to seminary and go more the spiritual route on that? Or like, how did that come about? I definitely did not. Because when I was a kid, going to church felt very churchy. And I felt like, oh man, when is this going to end? But your family did go to church. You were a church going family. We were church going people since I was four. So my mother was like, you got to go to church until you're 18. And, but when I was probably about 17, I really developed this relationship with God where I I feel like I connected with God on my own, which I think is so important. And so I connected with God on my own. And then my initial plan was to go to USC and I could have, I had the grades for it. And I wanted to be a communications major and get in the entertainment business. So this is a very cool thing about life. So I'm thinking I want to get in the entertainment business, but also want to be a humanitarian. So I began to dialogue with some smart people and they said, well, you might want to go to seminary. That's what Martin Luther King did. And you can, you know, take classes, become a humanitarian. And then who knows what happens later? Hmm. Man, that's exactly what happened to me. So I go to seminary. I later on get a doctorate in world religion. And then look at me. I'm in the entertainment business. I do movies now. I do plays. I life coach the biggest celebrities in the world. I help own an entertainment company. Hmm. So did I know all that was going to happen at 18? Absolutely not. I just took that first step and then things begin to unfold slowly. Yeah, I think that our environment, and I think that you would agree with this, shapes us into who we're supposed to be. And I find it interesting that you had some people around you at 18 who were able to give you that kind of advice that would actually lead into something. Who You, you, said, you said, I got some good advice from some smart people. Who were those smart people? Is this just like some friends or family? Or are these people that you got around to mentor you specifically? Actually, uh, that's an excellent question. What happens, I think that for me, it all started off let's say sixth grade, my teacher, Mr. Prober, he said to me, Tim, I I really think you're brilliant. I like to expand you and get you to read some books outside of what you're reading. Hmm. And he turned me on to biographies. So many times when I'm doing these podcasts, people say, what books would you recommend? And I always say biographies. 
So when I read the, the story of Michelangelo, I read the story of Picasso, I began to see that they were guys like me or different women, Margaret Thatcher. They were people that were trying to find themselves, went through adversity, had ups and downs. So Mr. Probert was the first guy in sixth grade that turned me on to books. And then it was later in high school, a guy named Mr. Coles, who was one of my teachers, but he was also my basketball coach. He was again, man, Tim, you're just unique. You think different. You're going to be huge. I mean, this guy was telling me this junior and senior year of high school. And the key, though, is not about the ego, like, ooh, wow, I'm going to be huge. It was more of a confirmation to something that I always felt on the inside, but I never really voiced. Hmm. So I feel like a lot of people that are listening right now, you, you have always felt you're going to do something huge. Like when I asked Brad Pitt's mother, did you think Brad was going to do well? We were having lunch and she said, yes. And so did he. Robert Downey Jr.'s mother. Did you think Robert was going to do well? Yes, and so did he. Kanye West's mother, Donda, who was my great friend. She's now in heaven. Did you know Kanye was going to do well? Yes, and so did he. So isn't that wild that you don't know how you're going to get there, but something in your knower knows you're going to do well. So I was fortunate enough to have teachers at the early age to help confirm, help, aid, mentor me to get better at that stage. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's... This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Extremely fascinating. Do you, do you think that it is something that is kind of built within you? Like if you're saying this right now and somebody's listening, they're like, you know what? 
I've never really had those thoughts because I've never really felt that I've been the person that's capable of those things. Is that person just kind of like on the outside of that? Or is this something that they can start to really develop internally from a self-confidence point of view? Well, I, I deal with psychologists on a daily basis because of uh, life coaching, all these entertainers. I want to make sure I don't screw them up worse than they are. <laughs> so I literally talk to at least one or two psychologists every day. So one of the things that we find is that there's, there's two ways to build confidence in a person. One is it's innate. If you talk to a Tom Brady, he always felt this innate confidence that I can do it. Michael Jordan, innate confidence. Any interview with Magic Johnson, innate confidence. Any interview with Jay-Z, innate confidence. Mm -hmm. So Kendrick Lamar, what does he say? I got royalty, got royalty inside my DNA. That's innate confidence. Mm -hmm. So you got the in innate, which is inside you. The second is you have your environmental. So even if it's not innate, if you're shy, if you were the, the kid that was bullied, get you around the right environment and we're going to get the right results. In fact, I would almost rather take environmental strength than the strength that's just innate because I find that the people that know that they've got it sometimes don't take the time to develop it as much. So if you like wake up as a kid and you sing like Christina Aguilera, you're probably going to get pampered most of your life. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, Oh my God, wait to hear Courtney sing. And right. little Courtney Seven singing at Thanksgiving. <laughs> right. Nine singing at Christmas. Makes sense? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that definitely rings a bell with me just because of, um, I grew up playing a lot of basketball. And I saw some guys that were just, like you said, innately gifted, like just talented people. And um, I was never that way. I was always the kid that had to like go in and really work to be good, right? And even then I would still be a step behind just because I just was not as oh, athletic yeah. as some of these guys are, you know? And I find that to be so true is when people get blessed with some sort of a talent or something that they tend to work less hard on that. Do you think that that's an issue with the environment around them, like putting them in a different environment, maybe taking them out of the school where they're just always the best at every sport, no matter what, and throwing them into a school where like, oh, dang, like that guy's actually better than me. I have to work now to be good. 100%. Okay, so let's, let's go through a couple things because you're making some great points. And that's why your podcast is doing so well. You're very good at this. Appreciate that. Is that number one, let's go with this whole term of I'm on my grind. You have to understand this is nothing new. Uh, some guy from Huntington Beach didn't come up with this like five years ago. People have been on the grind for a long time. In the 1800s, people were on their grind. They just didn't call it that. But when I hear people say, I'm on my grind, for a guy who really is on his grind, I want to know what that entails. Mm. <laughs> So, so some people say like, dude, I'm on my grind. I beat the sun up. All right. So, so he considers that being on his grind. He beat the sun up. But just because you beat the sun up and went to the gym doesn't mean that you're going to be John Paul DeJora and self-control <laughs> for 5.4 billion. Yeah. This is good, right? Yes. Yes. It's hilarious to me because I know so many of those people 
the of people course, that are. And me that, too. So the thing is, yeah, hilarious, yeah. is that what I want to do is I want to get around guys that really are on the grind and they take it to another level. So really one of the best eras of basketball, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Isaiah Thomas. Are you with me? Yes, sir. Dominique Wilkins, Charles Barkley. All these guys played on this thing called the Dream Team. Okay, I think it was about 1992. All of them in separate interviews have always talked about what the competition in practice did to them. It was in mm. Barcelona, Spain. They were busting their butts in practice. So that's why for me, in my world, I like to get around the Ed Milet's personal friend. We go at it. We mm. do projects together. Grant Cardone, personal friend. We do projects together. Steve Harvey, personal friend. We go at it. Oprah Winfrey, personal friend. We go at it. Give me some people that, quote, unquote, if they're on their, on their grind, it's at a higher standard. You know why? It's going to build it out of you. Now, you say, okay, well, what if I don't know those people? They got things like masterclass.com. You can actually sign up and see how Martin Scorsese makes a doggone movie. They have something called TED Talks. Yeah. They have something called YouTube. They have something like your podcast. Hey, what's up, fellow and future networkers? Want to listen to Build Your Network a day early? Download the Himalaya app and follow the show for exclusive first access. Himalaya is a brand new podcast app where you can find every single podcast you love and some future faves. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya has got your back. Discover personally curated playlists and show your favorite podcasters, aka me, some love with Himalaya's tip jar. It's free. It's the easiest platform to use, and they're adding cool new features every single day. So go to the App Store, download Himalaya, that's H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A, and don't forget to follow Build Your Network once you're there. This is exactly the kind of stuff that I wanted to talk about because this is something that I hammer on a little bit. To me, it's it's so much about environment, and people don't spend enough time shaping their environment. So what I mean by that is I think almost anybody would agree with the statement, your environment shapes you, right? Your environment is what makes you who you are. The people that you hang around with, the media that you consume, the books that you read, all of those things in total is you. Like you are an average of all of those things added together, thrown in a pot, like you're the product. But the thing that I think most people don't get is like, yes, your environment shapes you, but you, you are the person who shapes your environment. So in the end, you're still responsible. I think people use that as an excuse sometimes of why they're not successful is because, well, you're a product of your environment. And, you know, I grew up in Compton and I grew up around these people and these are my close friends. They go to the bar every week. They're not really thinking about personal development. They eat whatever they want. They drink beer. They're not healthy. Like these are the people that I hang out with. So this is just my life. Like this is just how it is because this is my environment. I've tried to change, but then they want me to go to the bar with them and I go with them and they use it as an excuse rather than flipping it around and saying, you know what, my environment is what's shaping me, but I ultimately have the control to shape my environment that will end up shaping me into something else. That's a great way of saying it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What are some ways that you think or, or that you've helped people? Because I know this is something that you literally do with some of your clients. What are some ways that you've helped people reshape their environment so that their environment can reshape them? Okay, so number one, I think you've got to establish where you want to be. Do you want the silver medal? Do you want the bronze? Do you want the gold? So you got the bronze, the lower, the silver, the middle, the gold, the better. You got to be honest. Do you want a bronze medal marriage? 
then work on it at the bronze level. Do you want a bronze level body? Then work out and then go eat Taco Bell late at night night and have gorditas. <laughs> Sounds delicious, by the way. <laughs> You're gonna be bronze all day long. Yeah. So truly, when I'm life coaching somebody and it kind of throws them off, I'll say to them, "You want bronze? You want silver? You want gold?" And they go, "Man, no one ever said that." No, no, you gotta, you gotta know what you want, and then it's your bronze, your silver, and your gold is not the same as Elon Musk. Whatever Elon Musk is up to, congratulations. I'm not going to build something that takes us to space, but I will influence millions of people and inspire them to kick ass. And Elon Musk could be in that crowd too. Yeah, but I'm not going to I'm not going to build a dog on spaceship. It's good, right? Yes. So what happens is that people they'll quote Elon Musk, they'll talk about Richard Branson, they'll talk about Jeff Bezos, to talk about Malcolm Gladwell. They'll get all excited about all these people. Okay, awesome for them. I give you applause. Let's change the world, right? But what is your silver? What is your bronze? What is your gold? So what I want to do, I want to do my assignment. See, I'm cool with when my staff found out how good your podcast is and you're ranking high. Because I'm not you and you're not me. So I'm cool with you. I'm cool with Steve Harvey who has five shows. Because he's got five shows. He's Steve Harvey. If I go to Oprah's house, which I get to a lot, I'm cool with the fact she's got a $55 million house. She's Oprah. So I'm not trying to compete with Oprah. I'm trying to do my bronze, my silver, and my gold. Man, if somebody can really dial that in, it'll change their life. Yeah, that's amazing. So your, your gold may be being a great second grade teacher. Your gold may be having a phenomenal marriage, not just being married, but having a phenomenal marriage. Your goal may be helping your son who's autistic, but you really are there for him. So what's, what's your goal? See, that's what I'm after. Really defining and getting clarity from the start. How often do you make a point to sit down and gain clarity in your own life? At least several times a week. Several times a week. Several times a week, yeah, because I got to take inventory in my own life because the weird thing about being me is that as soon as I wake up, I already feel the pressure. So I'm a happy-go-lucky guy. I love humor. I've probably seen those Dave Chappelle specials probably 30 times each. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. I'm like, Tim, it's obsessive. <laughs> so I started watching some old Richard Pryor last week. <laughs> but as soon as I wake up and I brush my teeth and wash my face and I head towards Starbucks at about 5.45 in the morning to drink coffee and eat oatmeal, to be on the treadmill at 6 a.m., six out of seven days, I'll look for just a moment at my text and it's overwhelming. Call me now. Need you now. Call me now. Need you now. Call me now. Need you now. So I got to see what's really urgent. Some I may need to wait to go into the gym or some I'll call them from the treadmill if they're on fire and I need to put them out. I look at my emails real quick from the parking lot of the gym. Sometimes I'm not even joking. It's overwhelming. Over-freaking-whelming. So what I got to do is I got to say, what can I realistically pull off? 
what is my portion? What is my assignment? See, this is really comes with age and growth and wisdom. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Gandhi. I'm not even Maya Angelou. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to still go into the gym and take care of myself so I can have the strength to go handle some of these other people that are searching for me. You see the balance in that? Yeah, yeah. That's why I asked that question because I find it so so odd because so many people spend so much time on like writing their goals out, right? Because that's such a good practice. And I agree and you should. And knowing your goals and having a clear destination in mind. But it's amazing to me how many people don't ever take inventory of what their true desires are in life. Like you can set a goal at the beginning of 2018, but if you don't on a weekly basis have clarity around that goal, then you might even reach that goal at the end of the year and then sit down and look back and be like, I actually didn't even really want this because you didn't halfway through the year take into account those three events that happened in your life that made you readjust your goals and maybe consider a different path. And, um, and that's why I think the clarity piece of that is, is so crucial. I would say you're one of the ones who teaches this. You know, you have your different components of your life. When I life coach people, we go through these steps of you have your physical life, okay? So that's being in shape and taking care of yourself, et cetera. You have your mental life, which is like the clarity of your mind. Man, you got to take care of your clarity because you may be having a good life, but you don't know it because your mind's playing tricks on you. So the clarity could come in your prayer time, your study time, your meditation time, you're out with nature. So you have your physical body, then you have your mental, okay? Then you have your spirit side. However you want to feed your spirit, you got to feed your spirit, okay? So it's number three. Then you have your family. You got the family side. So if you're a single person, you may still have a mom, still may have a dad, still may have a brother. So you got, your, you got your family side, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your husband, your wife, your family. Then you have your job. You know, you should have some kind of career. Then you have your finances. But here's where a lot of people blow it. Recreation and hobbies is that don't be so job-minded and finance-minded that you don't plan stuff in advance. A really bright man came to me and he said, Tim, plan out three really great vacations a year before the beginning of the year. So probably about October, I already start planning three vacations for the next year. So four years in a row, I've gone on a safari to South Africa. I planned it way in advance. Four years in a row, I went to Australia on New Year's Eve and got to be in these amazing boats and watch the fireworks go off from the bridge and see the opera house. So the little kid from Compton, man, I'm planning out really great vacations in advance. You know what that does? Freaking helps my mindset. I go, this is really good, but in three months, I get to go here. So if you're not to the point where you can go to Australia or go on a safari, go somewhere that's cool you've never been before. Montana's cool. If you've never been to Florida, there's some cool things in Florida. So plan in advance. So there's seven basic areas of your life. Make sure you have balance. There's so many different routes that we could take this. Uh, You talk a lot about turning setbacks into comebacks. You wrote a whole book about it. Can you tell us a story or two about somebody that you actually helped do that? Yeah. I mean, 
There's a lot of stories of me helping celebrities do this and some of the biggest actors in the world. I probably met with probably one of the three most famous people on the planet just last week working on this, turning their setbacks to comebacks. That's what I do. I've been doing this for 30 years. But I'd like to take a scenario of an entertainer that I won't name of losing confidence, okay? So one of the things that's difficult with entertainers is that someone's always trying to take your spot. And whether you're a singer or an actor, it's such a competitive field. Your sound can change, what's in can change, what's out can change, right? If you're an actor, you could be this amazing actor, but in comes new actors that are equally as cool and 20 years younger. So I deal with a lot of entertainers who feel like they lost their swag. So one of the things that happens when I teach them is that when you have a setback, most times you're going to take a step back. A setback, step back, setback, step back, setback, step back. So you'll take a step back in those areas that we just talked about, usually physically, mentally, spiritually, because you start bumming on the fact that you're not the person anymore. And this is usually on the tail end of some sort of like successful period, yes? Yeah, it could be in their 20s though. Because it's so drastic when you're dealing with people like this. Oh man, I mean, like I deal with a lot of teen stars that they were huge at 16 and at 24, nobody really wants to hire them. So I mean, this, this is what I've been doing literally for 30 years. So what has to happen then is that you have to make a choice. Don't sit in your setback, don't settle in your setback, and don't cement yourself. So you've had setbacks, I've had setbacks. It's tempting to sit in it and stew. Man, had I not broke my leg, an NFL player will tell me. Or man, had I not gotten that situation with my ex-wife, NBA guy. Or man, if I didn't cause so much trouble on the set, now they kicked me off the set, famous actor tells me. All right, so don't sit in a setback too long. Because if you start to sit too long, you'll start to settle. Settle is where most people go. And they get stuck in what I call an almost life. I almost had the job. I was almost happy. I almost did it. And if you just reflect for a minute, think of all your friends from high school that are stuck in an almost life. So you want to know how to have a comeback? 30 seconds, I'll teach you how to have a comeback. Number one, a comeback is not a go. Don't go back and try to fix every damn thing. You're going to get frustrated. <laughs> I assume that would probably be like one of the first things people naturally do, right? Comeback's not a go back. So the first thing you got to do is take inventory. Oh my God, I suck. Okay, get honest. Number two, you got to partner with the right people. You got to partner with the right people. Partner with the right people because if you partner with the wrong people, then you're going to stay in the setback. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that too. I want to touch on that a lot since it's the Build Your Network podcast. We talk a lot about relationships and stuff. Definitely want to come back to that one. So we got relationships and then what's next after that? Third thing is, and we'll leave you with this, is you've got to get the right comeback plan. Make it realistic. Most people, they want to go from zero to 10. Nope. Go to zero to one, one to two, two to three. This is where I'm a master and I cannot be beat. I cannot be beat at this because most people try to have these massive comebacks overnight. Listen, it did not take you overnight, usually to have this kind of setback. I'm going to take you zero to one. I want to go to seven. Not today, little Johnny. 
We're going zero to one, zero to one, zero to one. I'm building your confidence. Then you're like, oh my God, Tim Story, look what I did. I went to the gym. I'm being nice to my wife. I actually called my kid. See, I built your confidence. Now we go one to two, one to two, one to two, one to two, two to three, two to three. Next thing you know, man, come back. Uh, there's so, so much good stuff there. I'm sure um, you really take a deep dive into that in your book, which people can find on your website. On Amazon, come back and beyond. Thank you, Oprah Winfrey, for making me a lot of money <laughs> by holding my book for the entire interview. Oh, nice. She did, special, she did a special with me a couple of Easter's ago, and we called it Comeback Sunday, Comeback Easter Sunday. She put, she said, Tim, I'm going to do so much ads on this, which she did. It blew me away. And so it was one of the highest ranking Super Soul Sundays at all, all time. And I thought she was going to hold my book for like maybe two minutes of the interview. She held it for the entire hour. And the more she held my book, the more I went, oh my gosh, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. <laughs> Thank you, Oprah, if you're listening. Plus, what a cool moment to like look at somebody like Oprah holding your book for that long. For the whole hour. <laughs> like, I thought she was going to put it down. She was like, <laughs> as you say in page 89. I'm like, oh. as you say in page 101. So come back and beyond how to turn your setbacks into comebacks. Also endorsed by the Lee Iacocca and Quincy Jones, the Quincy Jones. It's a great book, Come Back and Beyond, How to Turn Your Setbacks. And come back and beyond. If you come want back to. And yeah, if, if, something, if something that Tim just said really uh, resonates with you, vibes with you, or you're recently going through some sort of a setback in your life, highly, highly recommend picking up a copy of that book, Come Back and Beyond. You can find that over on Amazon. Tim, this is the Build Your Network podcast. We talk a lot about networking, relationships, connections, how to do it the right way. And you are obviously a master at this, having some relationships with some of the most influential and well-known people in the entire world. So I want to ask you this question. This is when I ask everybody just to kind of get this conversation going. Do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important and why? So I would say it's what you know will take you to who you know. And it's a biblical background. So the Bible says, do you see a man skilled at his work? He will serve before kings and will not be obscure. Okay, let me break this down. This is so freaking powerful. Now, Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000 hours to be phenomenal at something, right? You see a man skilled at his work. When somebody takes the time to be skilled at something, let's say if you're a skilled chef, yeah, then you might become Wolfgang Puck. You might become Michael Mina. You might become Todd English. Thank you very much, Gordon Ramsay. These guys were chefs. They could have ended up at Fridays, but they kept... Working, 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 working. Do you see a man skilled at his work? Now, here's what I always teach people. Build your spot and life will put the spotlight on your spot. I don't go looking for everybody. I promise you I don't. I became super good at being a comeback coach and the NFL players look for me and then the entertainers look for me. Their managers look for me. The agents look for me. Do you see a man skilled at his work? He will serve before kings. In other words, he will be taken to the top. He will not be obscure. To be obscure means to be in the shadows. So build your spot and life will put the spotlight on your spot. How much do you like that? Yeah, that's fantastic. Fantastic. 
Another thing, there's a lot of different skill sets that I think that you have. We've talked about a couple of them, but one of them that I think is probably at the top of that list is you're a master at commanding an audience's attention, whether that be online or in person. I think it's even more powerful in person. I've seen you speak a couple of times. What are some practical tips that you can give to help even a beginner that's listening to this be a better speaker and help somebody really captivate a crowd of people that they're in front of? Okay, number one, thank you for the compliment. All right, so here's what I believe it is. When I'm about to speak, I'm not thinking about how I'm going to come across my seven points, how awesome I'm going to be. <laughs> That's like the last thing I'm thinking about. So for every 30-minute speech, I put in about 10 hours of research. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> so I am a research freak. So I'm going to give you the secret right now. A revelation brings conviction. When you get a revelation of a subject, it brings conviction that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know. So when Richard Branson gets up to talk about building a company, it just pours out of it. When Lee Iacocca, who's more old school to most people that listen, when I get around him in his house, the guy turned around Chrysler. He was Branson before there was Branson. He's a phenom. When he talks about business, the revelation brings conviction. The conviction comes out of your eyes, it comes out of your pores, it comes out of your mouth. So what people are saying when they come out of a lot of my meetings and they're literally crying, like I'm not joking with you. I spoke to 32,000 people in Las Vegas a couple months ago and people were coming out of these auditoriums crying and saying, what the hell did you just do to me? I pushed your doggone buttons and said, don't become a discount version of yourself. And then I broke down what it feels like to be a discount version. And people were literally weeping in their seats because they realized they had become a discount version. Now, I would not have been able to speak it that well had I not lived it, had I not breathed it, and had I not studied it. So revelation leads to conviction. Conviction leads to movement. So my three steps, revelation, conviction, movement. My movement is bam, it's in the presentation. So the presentation, you know, quit watching all these guys on TED Talks and trying to talk like them. I do not study speakers. If I'm studying anybody for their cadence or their timing, I study comedians. Too many speakers sound the same. The seven steps of how I did it. Let me tell you how I did it. Man, you're, you just, you're boring me. You're losing me. I can't grasp it. No. Revelation, conviction, movement, bam. Yeah. And then that level of preparation too. I feel like so much of it stems from that because a lot of people I think treat speaking like they don't want to sound scripted, right? So they don't do as much of the work ahead of time. And I think that's definitely one thing that I've taken from my background in like ministerial college and different things like that. I was, you know, preaching and preaching contests at seventh grade or whatever, you know, and I think that that experience in actually learning how to form a speech and outline and then create and then put in stories. And then some of the best speakers I've ever seen are in that world. They do such a great job at their 100%, preparation. Because it, when you're, when you're taught like you were in ministerial school, you're being taught, is this an exegetical 
sermon? And you, is this a manuscript sermon? Is this a topical message? So you're taught this certain way to study, to study commentaries, to study Hebrew words, Greek words, to break down words. It was in seminary that I learned to be a wordsmith because I had to take Hebrew and Greek. And I, as I said, I went on and on and on and on in school. And so I am a wordsmith. That, that's where so many guys that you know and I know, they'll come to me and they'll go, oh my gosh, the way you'll break down a word, you just chop that sucker up to where I really get it. I learned that in seminary, but I took it to, a, to another level. But put the time in, because man, whether you're speaking to seven people or 85,000, the fact that you have the opportunity to help transform their life, nothing like it. And because you brought that last thing up, I want to touch on that for a second. And I think that it's crucially, vitally important is that you will not ever be in front of the audience of thousands of people if you don't treat the audience of seven people like it's the audience of thousands of people. 100%. And yesterday I spoke to 11 people. So I purposely still speak to five, to three, a guy that's kind of well-known. I just got phone with him two hours ago. He said, will you come and speak to my higher leaders? I said, how many are going to be there? He said, seven. So I'm not moved by that. I just taught a class, a business class at USC two weeks ago, 60 students. But man, you see all the emails I'm getting, all the direct messages I'm getting on Instagram. I guess it must have motivated some of them. So whether it's 80,000 or seven people, be prepared. It's worth it. Yeah. Love it so much, man. I did, there's so many different things that are just like racing through my head to bring the conversation to. We got just a few minutes left here. So I kind of want to end on a, a networking note since that's kind of what this show is all about. But before I do that, you have an app that you've been working really, really hard on that I would really love to just kind of talk about for a second and what it, what it kind of does. How does it help people? Why should anybody listening go download it immediately after this interview? Okay, so it's an utmost app. So U-T-M-O-S-T. So it's utmost with Tim's story. And it's kind of cool. It's like taking you through the seven basic areas of your life on a daily basis. So every day I'm talking to you about different things in your life, your physical, your mental, your clarity. I even have meditations on there. Or wake up to my meditations and go to sleep to my meditations. And quite a famous man put it together for me. A guy who is the marketing expert for Nike and Starbucks. So it was his company that put it all together and put up all the money to do it. So it's getting great reviews and a lot of people are getting it. It's only $1.99. You only pay once, $1.99. And you're going to get literally about $15,000 worth of material for $1.99. And I constantly put on new material on there. So utmost with Tim Story on iTunes. It's only now, it's not, we don't have it in Android form yet, just for, for the Apple phone, but it, it's really, really good. And it's working. A lot of people are getting it. Yeah, I love that. And this goes back to the beginning of our conversation. We were talking about mentors and how easy it is to get mentorship from people from YouTube podcasts, from Bradley's Lightspeed VT or from masterclass.com or whatever it is. And this is definitely one of those ways to do that. So if you're listening to this right now and 
you're vibing with something that Tim has said, which I'm sure you are, then why not just go download the Utmost with Tim Story app on iTunes? It's $1.99. It's cheaper than an ebook. Just go pick it up and watch your life change in front of you. Reach out to Tim. Tell him how awesome it is. Tim, real quickly, before we move into the last segment here, give me Boil it down to one networking tip. You've built great relationships, like I said, with some of the most sought after people on the planet. What is one tip that you could give to people to help them build better relationships? I will tell you right now, build another person's vision. And I am a servant. I come from the same background as you do. And so a biblical way of thinking, whether whatever walk of life you come from, or even the Buddhists think this way, the Muslims think this way, the the Jewish people think this way, the Christians think this way. When you're a servant, it'll change your life. So when you build another person's vision, it'll change your life. Because what you make happen for someone else, life will make happen for you. So I am a builder of people's visions. So like, I'll go speak at somebody really famous for their staff, and they'll say, Tim, is it okay? We're going to give you this enormous amount of money. And I'll say to them, no, I'm good. And I'm really not even joking with you. And I mean large amounts. I'll say, no, I'm good. And about three of those people that I did that to, I noticed that they kept bringing me back, bringing me back, bringing me back, bringing me back, and then started saying, whether you like it or not, we're either going to wire you this money, send it to you, call your business person, whatever. But because I went in there with the right spirit to build their vision, what I made happen for someone else, life made happen for me. So that's how you build your network. Go serve. Serve someone's vision. Like if you're going to have like a, a, a seminar, become a volunteer. Show up. Email you. Call your people in advance. What can I do to serve? Is there anything I can do? Serve another person's vision. Yeah. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, always comes down to that value add. So, so important. Tim, thanks so much for coming on the show. We got to move on to the last segment here. Something I like to call the random round. Just a few really quick random questions, some quick random answers. You ready? I'm ready. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? Fashion in design. I would almost like to work with Louis Vuitton. If you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and talk with them for an hour, who would it be and why? I would say Martin Luther King because I want to know how real that struggle was, what it felt like, and um, how he feels about it now. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos? I'm a visual person, so I like to watch TED Talks and YouTube videos of people being interviewed. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. I wake up super early, 4.30, 4.45. I go to the gym six out of seven days, and that's just so I feel better. Because what I do for a living takes a lot out of you. So if I'm on the treadmill for 40 minutes, sweating super hard, it makes my mind feel a lot, be- a lot better. Plus you want to become the t-shirt guy. You gotta be the t-shirt guy. <laughs> But wear it well. What is your go-to pump-up song? Oh, man, that is a doggone great question. I love old school. So I love, like, um, stuff that they don't know about. I love, like, uh, Funkadelic, Flashlight. I like the Ohio Players, Fire. I like Commodore's Brick House. 
the Magic Johnson, same way. I'm old school. And when I need it, I go to it, bam, and I'm back. <laughs> I love you, Ed Sheeran, but it's no Ed Sheeran. I'm, I'm into old school. <laughs> <laughs> what is something that you are just not very good at? Uh, snow skiing. Snow skiing. I've done yeah. it five times, and I'm very terrified. <laughs> <laughs> All right, as we get everything wrapped up here, Tim, what is one place online where we are going to be able to find you the most? TimStory.com, because TimStory.com is your gateway to all things Tim Story. Our Twitter, our Instagram, very large. Facebook, very large. Then, as you know, a life coach, if you'd like to be life coached by me, these hourly sessions, just go to TimStory.com. But that's S-T-O-R-E-Y. Thank you so much for clarifying that. Yes, timstory.com, T-I-M-S-T-O-R-E-Y.com. You can find everything about Tim there. All his social links are there. Be sure to go check out his book on Amazon. But the number one thing, if you're going to leave this conversation and do anything, go download his app. It's $1.99. $1.99. Go download the app, Utmost with Tim Story, and thank me later. Tim, thank you so much for coming to the show today, brother. I had a fantastic time chatting with you. You are phenomenal at what you do. It's a privilege being on. Talk to you soon. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. You hear my guests and I talk a lot about masterminds here on Build Your Network. They are literally what I attribute most of the new quality relationships in my life to. If this is a new term to you, or you've always kind of wondered exactly what a mastermind is or what it does or how much they are, how to find one, all those types of details, you are definitely going to want to take my free mastermind course. It is everything you need to know about masterminds in just six short lessons. It's 100% free. So there's literally no reason to not at least see what it's about. Just head over to travischapel.com to grab that course and start today. Have a fantastic rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.